and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season card holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bear. Well, it was a vital 10-9 victory in the Champions Cup away at Sale. It's left the European tie nicely poised for the second leg at Ashton Gate on Good Friday. We give our thoughts on the victory at the AJ Bell and how Pat might play the second leg. We'll also discuss the five signings announced last week and give our thoughts on next year's season ticket prices. All this and more on this week's show. I'm Tony and I'm joined by Pete and Lee for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, gentlemen, it's uh, it's Lee's on the phone this week and uh, myself and Pete, we're actually in my dining room and it it's reminiscent of when we first started the podcast because it was around this very table, Pete. Uh, uh, what coming up for nearly three years ago that uh, we got things started? That's about the last time I was around your house, Tone. I think. Yeah. Well, we don't like the Oipaloi round that uh, that often, and uh, you've been away, haven't you, sir? You've been down in uh, God's own country of Cornwall. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I had a couple of days down in Cornwall. Um, gate crashed. A mate of mine who had a uh, little cottage near Rock. So it was a bit like being in Clifton. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was very nice of them to invite us down. But then, of course, I realised the only reason he invited us, because he's only got, he's got a daughter, single child. And uh, and they were quite keen for my two daughters to be down there to play with her or two. Well, they're a bit, a bit old for that sort of thing to, uh, to uh, have a bit of time. But no, fair play. It, we had a great time down there. Uh, we got a couple of days, a uh, bit windy. And, uh, but yeah, so I've had quite a nice relaxing week. <laughs> And Lee, you're not at home, so you're joining us on the phone today. How's how's your weekend been, sir? I am Tone. Yeah, I've had a I've had a manic week at work, so I'm currently hiding out in a secret location in North Bristol. Uh, currently have my my shoulders massaged as we speak. Wow, very nice, very nice. <laughs> I think I've heard of that place. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, our regular listeners will know we're one man down. Um, the Duke himself. Uh, he's gone down to Topsham uh, f- to his country estate for for the week, uh, and unfortunately, I think the the graph shooting down there was just so good he couldn't tear himself away to uh, to uh, make the podcast. So he sends his apologies. But you know, I don't know about you, Pete, but sometimes you wonder how people have made their money. And you know, I just got a little glimpse into why Miles is so wealthy. Pray tell. So. Uh, well, we we're uh, we're looking after the Duchess's pussies over the next few days. We and they uh, they dropped a key off so we could go round and feed the cats. Yeah. So anyway, Duchess comes in and chats to me and to, to Claire, and um, the Duke is out in the car, and then uh, just as we're waving them goodbye, he, he comes in with a coffee cup, and you know he bought himself a black coffee. And then he came round to my house to get some milk. Oh. <laughs> they do say it's the richest people are the tightest, aren't they? Oh, I couldn't believe it. I thought he was coming in to say, you know, have a great weekend. It was, can I have some milk? I'll tell you what, we're going to find out that not he's, he's got a green card and he's a non-dom as well. <laughs> uh, more, more than likely, more than likely. All right, gents, well, let's talk about... Well, I don't know what adjective to use really for Saturday's game. Humdinger isn't isn't <laughs> one of them. But uh, before we talk about the match itself, let me come to you, Lee. Um, 
I think it's fair to say that maybe that team sheet on Friday had everyone um, wrong-footed, really, as far as some of the selections. What, what were your thoughts when you saw it? Yeah, I totally agree, Tone. I think we've, we've got some huge talking points, actually, haven't we, from that? I mean, I, I was massively surprised at some of the decisions. Um, I mean, it was good to see Luke Moreham back in it at full-back, um, you know, because obviously we, he's had a struggle with injuries this season. But the, the standout things for me were, were obviously, um, you know, Bates playing on the wing. I thought that was a big ask for, for a, you know, a youngster, as good as he has been this season. You know, this is this is our biggest game so far. Um, and then, and obviously, then we were looking at kind of Bedlow coming back in, um, in place of, of Frisch, who's been absolutely fantastic for us. Um so those those were two two big things that stood out for me, um, and I guess not quite so much. But Sheedy coming back in at ten, um, it was a little bit of me that thought actually Tiff Eden's done so well in that position, and um, you know, I, and I guess it it probably is. You know, we know that Tiff's going at the end of the season, so Pat's sticking with um, you know tried and tested um, Callum, but yeah, it, there was a few decisions. Um, and also, Hughes coming back in at eight really surprised me. I do get the concept of horses for courses, and I do think it was a game that, that ultimately we did need Hughes in. But, um, but yeah, there was definitely some curveballs thrown in there, wasn't there, by Pat? I mean, I've got to say, Hughes at eight, as predicted by Bearsby on the gate last week. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you can see he was lining up uh, to Alangi, wasn't he, in the uh, in in the loose? And uh, you know, at, at, from that point of view, the uh, the the tactic worked. Um, yeah, it was. I, I must admit, I I think I put something out there on social media saying I think this is Pat's biggest gamble. When you looked at the the power on that bench, um, you know, as things worked out, I I think we can say it, it was successful. But if we if we'd fallen behind in that game, um, you you wonder whether there would have been accusations of why didn't you play your best? And we're going to talk about obviously the second leg and the teams uh, a little late, later in the show. But uh, it will be absolutely fascinating to see uh, how he picks the team for the leg at Ashton Gate. Well, let's talk about the game then. Uh, Pete, going to come to you to talk about that first half. Um, Again, I don't know. It was felt to me a bit like, uh, you know, a summary of our season so far. Um, yeah. <clears throat> well, microcosm, I um, think, Tone, that, is what that, you're looking that, for. That's there. what I was looking for, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't great. I mean, ironically, I felt that the first kind of five to ten minutes, both teams actually showed at least a little bit of ambition. You know, both teams did try and run it, but we then, you know, after a couple of mistakes and, and some basic errors, it seemed like both teams kind of almost regressed back to some sort of low-grade rugby, didn't really fancy trying to do anything too exciting. And, and then the whole kind of half just played out as a bit of a, a grunt fest, to be honest. I mean, yeah, let's let's... Let's be fair. I mean, there were some big hits going in and, and clearly Pat had picked a, a forward pack to go up against their forward pack. And, and you know, I don't think any of us could say we were, could be really surprised that, you know, that would that happened. I mean, we kind of know what, what Sale are like. Although that said, they did have um, 
particularly Aaron Reed on the wing, didn't they? Who showed a couple of times in that first half that he had a real uh, bit of pace about him, but they they clearly didn't think that it was worth using him that often, and and obviously went for their tried and tested kind of smash anybody around and then try and give it to Tuolangi. And 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 to be fair, I mean our midfield duo of Piers O'Connor and and uh, Sam Bedlow, and, and as you mentioned earlier, Tone Nathan Hughes, kind of you know marauding around basically did a good job i mean defensively we we look we look good and we had to be um but, but in other ways it was very it was very disappointing i mean it was disappointing for both sets of fans and and if any neutrals had been watching i doubt they would have got to the half time to be fair i i know it's it certainly was one for the purists and um uh, Lee, on that uh, first half, uh, I mean, uh, apart from the three penalties, uh, a few things that stood out. Let me talk to you about the first one. And that was uh, our dear friend Faf de Klerk. Um, his after the whistle piggyback come four-arm smash onto Luke Morahan. Um, again, I suppose it's... it's you, you know, I think Pat's talked about the consistency around decisions. Do you think just the penalty was right there, or do you think Faf was lucky not to uh, not to, to to get a yellow card for that incident? No, I, I I absolutely think that was a yellow card all day long, and we've talked about inconsistency of refereeing all season, haven't we? And I mean, the thing is, the the fact that Faf de Klerk leaps off the ground. <laughs> to actually make contact with Morahan's face. Um, I mean, I, you just, you can't see anything else but yellow, surely, in that aspect. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it, it's just, it, it really is shocking. I think this is, this is Champions Cup rugby and the refereeing should be of a suitable standard to, you know, to, to meet that expectation. And it was like, you know, it, it, I know we've had a, couple of shockers in the league recently but I just thought that the referee actually wasn't too bad I, I personally I didn't think but mm. that in that particular incident I just thought it, it it was yellow all day long for me personally but one thing I will say is that I actually that that game typified a, a, an absolutely typical two-legged affair for me you know it was there was both sides not fully committing to you know 100% to anything I thought Sal showed a, a complete lack of ambition and almost time-wasting at times. Um, but the, the little, the, the dark, sick part of me actually really enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it as a, as a spectacle. It wasn't the best game of rugby, I know. But I, I just loved that kind of grit and that determination and that that. That kind of is almost like watching a game of a top quality game of chess for me. You know, it was, it was almost like just. I wouldn't say top for, quality. <laughs> well, but you know what I mean. It yeah. was it, it was one of those games. Like I could, like you just said, it was a game for the purest. And and I I I have to admit, I did like that as much as I loved the running rugby, free flowing, back of the hands, you know, look passes. I enjoyed. I really enjoyed that game, and I know I'm probably in the in the minority in that respect. But I, I did think it was a good spectacle, and you know, it was it was certainly different from us. But I just think we showed that bit of grit and determination that we we've been lacking in a, in a lot of times this season. You know. Um. Yeah. I. I. I, I see what you're saying. 
Lee. I think I think uh, you're, you're right. I mean, in in the bigger picture, you know, it was it was never going to be anything but like that. Really, when we look at it, you know, it's going to sale is the kind of football equivalent of a wet night in Stoke, isn't it? On a Tuesday night, and and I think uh, that said, I just think. You know, we did try to pass the ball. Like, you know, we don't know how to play any other way than try and move it wide. And and when we did, we just were pretty bad at it. And it was it was it yeah. was disappointing that you know we had a lot of offloads that didn't have that went awry. We had some round the back passes, no look passes that didn't go to anybody. Um, I mean, poor old Harry Randall. I mean, we'll probably talk about performances, but probably you know he fumbled quite a lot. So it was it wasn't like we kind of went there to stick the ball up our jersey. We did try and play and it was just kind of, it was quite disappointing. But if you look at the bigger picture, like you said, ultimately, first time we won up there for a while, we fronted yeah, up to their... under Pat's, Pat's era as yeah, well. Yeah, and we fronted up to their physicality well. Uh, and, and, you know, basically, if you kind of now forget about that game, we've now set up for, it's all about the game at the gate and we've got home advantage. So I can see what you're saying. I think you're being a little bit generous, but, you know, we, we don't agree on everything, do we? But, but um, you know, ultimately it was a defensive, it was a physical battle that, that I think we can be proud of. But I might leave it there. No, I think from the defensive point of view, I mean, when was the last time we conceded such a, a low score? You know, nine points. Toby's happy, isn't he? Well, yeah, yeah. he only does it for ownership. Oh, these games, he must be kicking himself. He thought, <laughs> there, there we are. Already. I, 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 it's only 9k for me. And uh, yeah, he's thinking, oh, God, we've got Gloucester next in the league. So I might, I might be back on. <laughs> Half marathon training. Um, I mean, two things that uh, particularly stood out for me. Um, <clears throat> I want to come to you, Lee, on the first one. Uh, and that was this frustrating tendency that we seem to have developed, that we, we get penalties, we kick it into their 22, and then completely butcher the line out. And uh, I yeah. think there was a couple of times, don't get me wrong, I think, I think Sale are a good line-out team. But... Um, I think the Northampton game and this game just shows that, you know, the pressure was relieved off them when we could really hammer home an advantage because the line-out is, is, is not functioning correctly. Mm. Um, it makes such a difference, doesn't it? It does. I think that's a completely fair assessment, Tone. And, I mean, the, the line-out did, did work better for me when Thacker came on, Um I mean, as, as good as Burns always been, is quite reliable. I didn't think we... I think we could have played it a bit safer. There was a couple of times, like you've just said, Sal are a great team at the line-out. And I think sometimes we were a little bit maybe over-ambitious. I think we could have played it a lot safer and maybe gone to, you know, to Joycey more, more at the front and, you know, just, just kept the ball. Um, and it, and it, was, it was a struggle, the line-out, especially in that first half. It was... Uh, it was almost constantly. You didn't know whether we were going to actually get the ball back or not. And and as again, it's been another aspect of our um, our play this season that that has let us down, hasn't it? And you know, you just you just like to think that you know we. I don't know. It's it's almost like we're so close sometimes to just getting these things right, and then we'd really tick again. But the one thing we haven't had all season is consistency, and that's. Unfortunately, that's the one thing we need now uh, in the Champions Cup is just a run of consistency and just doing, you know, like Pete had said, not making those errors and just kind of toning everything up. 
Yeah. But Pete, yeah, the, the line out was disappointing. It really was. Yeah. Yeah. Pete, you want to come? Yeah. In? I mean, I, I've, I've written a couple of things down. I mean, basically, after 31 minutes, we'd had 70% possession, but we'd only yielded three points from it. And that is kind of a testament to. Uh, not not our game plan, I think. It was more of a testament to our mistakes, mm-hmm. like you mentioned the line-out and missing a few things. I mean, I think I did write down a few quotes from the, the, the commentary team. They said that there was a lot of territorial jousting uh, at one point. And also they said that uh, poor old Sheedy was trying to bake a cake from crumbs at times. So I think that kind of summarised that first half particularly. Um, but yeah, you're right. It was it was it was inconsistent, and unfortunately, it's not a one-off. And you know, we've got we we've got one more game basically to be consistent. Otherwise, that's the end of the pretty much the end of the season for us. So yeah. maybe it was the right thing to get it out of the way. I mean, and then it started hailing, didn't it? About twenty minutes in, mm. it all got it all got caught in Chris Bowie's hair for a bit as well. So <laughs> I reckon I'd like to think that you know we got a, get, let's get some of that stuff out of our system away itself and, and, and uh, who knows what will happen on Friday can I just your your quotes there which uh, which coverage were you watching I was, I was watching BT Sport do you know I, I, I watched the Channel 4 coverage yeah I did and I really liked it actually yeah. I think there were less egos involved yeah. from the commentary team uh, and I'm sorry I can't remember the name of the female summariser that was uh, was on the game but she she was, was really Nolly, good wasn't it sorry Nolly was it uh, I, 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 oh yeah, Nolly. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember, but I, ju- I just kind of liked it. It felt more um, straightforward, it was more pers- personable, wasn't it? Yeah, and it, it, yeah, like you say, it, was, it almost just cut out the BS of a lot of the egos mm. that you. That well, you it do was get on. it was Healy and Delalio uh, that were doing the commentary on on BT. I mean. I, uh, Healy, I quite like. You know, this is a controversial opinion. I quite like Healy because I think he just says it as he sees it, and he was he was being very disparaging about both seats. I mean, he said things about Harry Rounder like he's an England scrum half. He's really and and he was and Delalio was kind of doing his normal sort of not quite sure what's going on sort of thing. Um, but I I do you know I do think you're right, and and, it, and perhaps because they're so used to doing it all the time, they they get into a kind of rut. Um, of the way they do things. And, and yeah, Channel 4, I'm sure I did hear that, actually. Someone did tell me that they felt it was a, it was a fresher thing. And, and, of course, you know, because it's a bit more of a one-off. So mm. I think maybe uh, maybe I may... Well, actually, no, the only reason I did BT Sport is because I pay for it. <laughs> no, I want to get my money's worth. <laughs> uh, so why... What I would say is that, B, uh, that BT Sport, they've gone for the, for the big man, small man up front, haven't they? Whereas... Uh, Whereas Channel Four went for the the the, the kind of uh, Pep Guardiola kind of ticker tacker uh, approach to things, so I I I thought Fred, full credit to Channel Four. To be fair, I thought that was a you know really we, good program. It was your uh, mate Topsy Ojo, wasn't Topsy it? Topsy Ojo was there, yeah. yeah. And uh, no, I I I I did. I out of interest, I wanted to see what the coverage was like. I haven't seen it yet for any of the live games and. Uh, I'll be perfectly honest. I think uh, if if I had the choice again, I, I'd probably go Channel Four. But the other thing I just wanted to pick up on one of those little. Um, do you remember the? Um, you're, you're of a certain age as well, and a cricket fan. Well, you're both cricket fans. But let me come to you, Pete. Um, uh, Radio Four Test Match Special. They used to talk about their champagne moments, yep. and my champagne moment from that game was. Uh, Callum the Jackler Sheedy in that first half where I thought 
you know, I thought there's no way he's going to go in there and jackal. And he, he, you know, it was absolutely critical because he won the penalty and they were in a really dangerous position. I mean, that, that that's not in his job description, is it? No, I, fair play to Callum. I think some people have raised a few eyebrows against his physicality in, in recent times. So maybe he felt it was time to... To, to lay that that lay that myth to rest, and also there was another um, instance. I think it was the first half where he got absolutely, as they said on commentary, melted by John O'Ross. But he managed to kind of take it and then offload it to Alapati. Yeah. And uh, fair play to Shidi. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about performances, but yeah, I thought he he uh, he he definitely put his body on the line for the Bears, as I'm sure he always does. Yeah, yeah. Can I, well, Tim, can I just can I just interject my champagne moment? Yeah, was was the try saving tackle by Alapati mm. Leoa on on Reed? Yeah. I thought that was absolutely outstanding. Yeah, and uh, another champagne moment for me, and this was the Channel Four coverage, and uh, you know, thinking about the history of Bears Beyond the Gate, was a conversation about haircuts. Yes, about how <laughs> how nicely groomed Charles Pietau was, and uh, and then reflecting on. Uh, Nathan Hughes's locks. But anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. Because it was 6-3 at half time. Uh, I think, you know, I certainly felt if we could cut out the mistakes, that game was there for uh, to, to be won. And uh, we saw the subs starting to flood in. Obviously, Piatau came in uh, ju- just after half time. Lots of changes. The bench was emptied. Um, but Lee, let me come to you. Sami Ranrandra. Now, he has had probably some fair criticism. Maybe we haven't seen the best of this world-class player. Uh, You know, we know he's had injuries. But boy, oh boy, what he did in that second half, that that moment in that second half was just so reminiscent of those first few games that he played for us when he first joined. Oh, without doubt. I mean, you you make a fair point. You know, Sami's had... The injuries. I don't think he he will be quite the same player that he was when we signed him. Um, but at that moment in time, it, it literally was stepping back into time, wasn't it? Um, I loved the the way that I think it was Sheedy and then Piers O'Connor was it, it just just moved the ball around enough to get Semi into that gap, and then it, it was one of those moments. Soon Semi's got the ball. Um, the the little side step, and then it, you knew it was going to be a try. Um, and I love the fact he's gone you know, between the posts as well. So, you know, a nice easy kick for Callum. And, you know, these things ultimately could be decisive at the end of the game, couldn't they, at Ashton Gate? So it was a it was a it was like watching, you know, a lovely piece of art again, wasn't it? And um I think that criticism is has been fair of Semi, but you know, we we've still got a player in there and and someone that, you know, would love to see him do that again in the in the second leg at Ashton Gate. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I mean, it was a, it was what we've been waiting for <laughs> virtually all season, isn't it? Not only yeah. making the break, but but actually, he he actually sidestepped the fullback, didn't he? And, and you know, yeah. most we have been a bit kind of not critical, but we have kind of raised our eyebrows about the fact he just seems to quite like to go straight into contact. And actually, if he did sidestep a little bit. Uh, he might get some reward. And yeah, I mean, it was a fantastic try. It was everything you want uh, from a kind of uh, a sort of first phase try. Um, lovely timing 
from from Piers O'Connor. Of course, it makes us, you know, it's like when you're a, when you're an average golfer and you play about hundred terrible shots, and then you play one beauty straight down the fairway. You want to go and play again, and it's a it's a bit like that with the Bears' game plan, isn't it? It's like, yeah, okay, we made loads of mistakes, but that's what it's all about. So yeah, let's do it. Um, I would say one thing though, in in kind of. Um, well, in, in as a reservation about Semi is unfortunately he kind of got got us seven points, and then about two minutes later he then gave away a penalty, marginally stupid penalty right in front of the posts, which you know even Rob Dupree couldn't miss that one. So in a way you could say it was a kind of net four uh, effort from Semi because it was a silly silly penalty he gave away. You know he he thought the ball was out, but I mean why would you risk it at that point? In when that, you've got in that, position. in that position, when you've got a good defensive set, so so whilst I think it, you know, we've got to be happy, very happy about it. It wasn't a, it wasn't really to me a plus seven. <laughs> it was a plus four, net four scenario. But you know, better than nothing. No, no, that is that is fair enough. And uh, you know, then I thought I thought we managed the end of that game pretty well. And uh, of course, we had the excitement, uh, Lee of Andy Uren's uh, interception. Um, I kind of thought quite early on that he probably wasn't going to make it to the try line with the, it was Reed, wasn't (laughs) it? The the winger that was uh, catching him rapidly. But uh, again, it's, it's, it's that excitement that, you know, that broken play, that interception, that, that kind of, this is the bears of last season, not, not of this season. It was. It was great to see him back on the pitch, Tame, wasn't it? Um, you know, he's had a long injury layoff, and it was it was good. But for me personally, I agree with you. I think as soon as he caught the ball, I, I wasn't thinking he's going to go over. When you saw Reed kind of converging on him, you thought, well, there's no chance. But then I was thinking, we're on 80 minutes or 79 minutes or whatever it was, and I was thinking, at least we're winding the clock down in, in our own in our own own way. So. Like for me, I was thinking we've got a victory here anyway. Um, he did get closed down pretty quick, he, didn't he? Bless he did him. Give but, away uh, a penalty as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not his fault giving away the penalty, <laughs> but I mean, I I'm not sure he knew Reed was coming. To be fair, because no. if he did, a nice little little grubber. chip grubber into the kind of yeah. corner would have been, or at least a little bit further, would have been the right thing to do. And he, he got he got mullered, and I think he helped. He tried to he. He didn't kind of release the ball, did he? He was on the ground and then he tried to get up again. And, uh, mm. you know, that's just one of these little moments. It luckily didn't didn't come to anything. So, so fair play to see see that little Andy Oren kind of, uh, that little sprint, but um, fair play to him. It was and a good for, moment. Yeah, and, credit and, to Reed as well, though, because, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, we're, we're that late in a game and he still put the burners on and you yeah. just think, that's a lot of, and, you know, pace and stamina. And if I was a Sale fan, I'd be thinking, why, after, after that break he did in the first half, when you mentioned yeah. Alapati, why not get the ball out to him a bit more often? I mean, he, he looks class. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe he fancies a, a move down south. <laughs> yeah, and I was pleased to see as well, Callum decided once the clock had gone red that we weren't going to do anything silly and try and get some throw, throw the dice one last time. Uh, kick, kick the ball out, game over, take the, take the advantage back to, to Ashton Gate. Well, let's have a look at some of the, the player performances then. Uh, Pete, if I come to you first, if you have a look at the forwards and uh, Lee, you have a look at the backs and uh, maybe I'll, I'll look at the spare bears. So um, 
Pete, who who stood out for you in the uh, in in the pack? Well, I think as a, as a unit, I think we should first. I should first just say, I think as a unit, the pack fronted up, and and it, you know, yeah. then they weren't great sale, but but one thing they do have is massive physicality. Six South Africans in the pack. And we fronted up, and we know our, our. And I think that was clearly in the in the selection, uh, particularly in the kind of you know the back the back five, as it were. I mean, Joycey again, you know, he did most of the game, didn't he? Atwood, even though he had his scrum cap ripped off at one point, and he, he was apoplectic and rage with that. You know, he kept. He, you know, you can't. We can't sort of. Uh, say too much about how how good that how much work those boys put in and i think the same goes with the back row i mean we've mentioned hughes i mean clearly i it was one of the best games we've seen hughes play all season in a bristol shirt <laughs> um and uh, and i think and it, it, in hindsight now seems a really a logical choice to put him back in and fair play to him for for coming back in i think he'd said put something on twitter didn't he saying like a bad rash i'm back or something like that and and i think um you know vui again uh, you know I, I quite like vui in the back row at the moment i just think he he just gives that physicality but he also gives that finesse and when i see the ball go out to vui in the wide channel my my heartbeat goes up um and and i think you know sam jeffries i think when you look at the stats i mean jeffries was put a serious amount of shift work in um you know i think he did the most tackles i think he had a couple of carries and uh yeah bodies on the line so so the back five definitely i think if i was going to be critical i think our first half our front three were a bit erratic i didn't think sinclair made much of an impression he tried too hard probably did one no look pass to nobody um and uh and obviously we've mentioned uh brian byrne you know the, the line out wasn't great it was it wasn't bad it was just kind of it was erratic and unfortunately the big picture is if, if you have a a set piece that erratic a line out that erratic we ain't going to be going much further in this competition so they've got to sort that out i thought big jake actually you know did Fair play to him. I mean, we've kind of been a bit worried about Jake this season, but, you know, I think he's trimmed his beard a little bit. He looks a little bit leaner to me. Um, and of course, but funny thing is, John Afoa comes on in the second half and you just think, this guy, he's got, he's got more than like, he's got, he's got years left in him. I mean, he he's such a class player, both kind of in the loose and and, and so on. And so, yeah, I mean, it, uh, you know, I, I think the forwards... Did, without doing anything spectacular, they did what they their job was, which was to to negate the uh, to to negate a pretty kind of dire, bruisey, filthy. I mean, I've got to say, one of our best players was John O'Ross as well, because he's got at least six six points in him on penalties, doesn't he? I mean, he I don't think he knows about that rule about coming through the back of a ruck. I mean, he is, you know, they were saying on commentary that apparently he's actually a really nice guy, John O'Ross, but he just is just an absolute liability. On uh, and I did see some Sale fans had tweeted some stuff after the game about him being a total liability. Um, but yeah, it's fair play. Uh, and Lee, moving on to the backs then, uh, what was your thoughts on the performances from 9 to 15? Just before we start there, Tony, I would say John and Ross reminded me of um, Elliot Daly. Sorry, oh, yeah. Luis Go is yeah. constantly coming in at the side. And yeah. I just thought, and all it's the just the same guy playing here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought, I thought Pete summed that up perfectly. He's pretty much everything I'd said on the, on the forwards. Um, the backs, the outstanding... Um, guy for me was Luke Morahan again I thought especially under the high ball when it was you know raining hailing and you know he took some some good catches 
Um, and it, again, just I thought defensively, positional sense wise, he was he was brilliant. And you know, he's one of those performers like your Vuies, like your um, Joyce's, your Dave Atwoods. He's just solid, isn't he? To use to coin a Miles phrase in his absence, uh, he's solid and. You know, he, he never fails to let us down, you know. And and on top of that, he provides an attacking option as well. Um, I I also thought Leoa was brilliant, again, because he, he, he just does those kind of unsung things like the try-saving tackle. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he's just, again, one of those players completely kind of overlooked most weeks, but he just does his job effectively and efficiently. Um you know, apart from that, again, I'd, I'd agree with what Pete said about, you know, the forwards. I think collectively as a unit, those two kind of shone out for me. But the rest of them just, you know, were, were quite just effective doing their jobs without standing out so much. I thought uh, O'Connor was, was, again, you know, useful. Bedlow, again, decent baits. Um, Cheedy. Again, just did his job. The the, the one disappointment, I, and we're going to forgive him anyway, because you know he doesn't. You know, usually usually is at the best best top of his game. But was, Randall did he did get outshone a little bit, and there was a, a a lot of mistakes out of um Randall on Saturday. Um, you know, but everyone's allowed an off day, and um, I'm sure that you know if he if he turns that around at Ashton Gate on Friday. Uh, we'll all forgive him, won't we? So, you know, it, it wasn't his best day at the office, but I, I just think those two, Luke Moran and Alipati, they always stood out for me in, you know, in the backs. Yeah, I think very, very good summary there, Lee. Absolutely, Randall. It, it wasn't his finest uh, display, and I, I just think Sheedy seems to have a bit more confidence these last couple of games. Um, you know, we we. We had a smile about his jackalin, but you know it's it's important that you know all along that back line that people can get stuck in and do that kind of thing. I think from you know looking at the spare bears, obviously Thacker brings the energy on when he come came on, and the the, the line out seemed to be better. Luatua, you just you just have that. I have that confidence when he's there and the way he gets into rucks and clear outs. Uh, I think it was amazing. Ran Randra, you know, that 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 dazzling brilliance for the try. And even Charles Piatau, I think, looked looked more dangerous than maybe uh he has done for a while. So uh despite all the fumbles, all the, the dodgy line outs, all the ifs and buts, um still to go to uh, the AJ Bell, get the victory against a team that are higher up in the league than us. And deservedly so this season, um, really sets things up nicely. So, so can I just say the one disappointing thing for me mm-hmm. was the, was the was the crowd. What, I just cr- what crowd? Was, well, yeah, exactly that. I just thought. I mean, it it just a game of that magnitude. Now I know it's great in Manchester. I know it's football territory. You know, I get that. But this was a huge game for both sides. And it just it just felt kind of flat, didn't it? And it, it just didn't seem to be at any atmosphere there. And does anyone know what the official attendance was? Because there was just so many empty spaces. It was, uh, 
it was really disappointing for a game of that magnitude for me. No, I, I absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I tweeted something out about did people realise it was a one o'clock kickoff because there seemed to be just so many empty seats, the empty terracing. Um, I think the rugby paper was saying 6,000, but I've seen somewhere else that it said 4,000, just over 4,600. Um, and to me, you know, that, that's got to be really, really disappointing when you're in the knockout stage of the Champions Cup and you can't get more than 5,000. And I bet a good percentage of those were Bristol fans as well. Yeah. There's a yeah. couple of things I wanted to add to that. There's one that somebody on Facebook, and I don't know who it was, on one of the uh, pointed out that he, he he screenshotted an official tweet out from Sale after the game. It said, "Match action, a tough day at the office against a resilient Bears side. We'll see you next week for round two. And it had it had something. I think it had five likes five, and one comment. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I the second and then the second thing I want to point out was the post match interview. Um, that was on Channel 4, I think, but I found it eventually on the internet, on, on Twitter. Uh, Alex Sanderson had his kind of post-match interview and about 20 seconds into it, you could just hear, Bristol, Bristol, because clearly there was like nobody there. And, uh, and, 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 and he clearly got affected by it. It was hilarious. He did not look happy. And you know what? I had a feeling it might have been Binzy. <laughs> Good yeah. old Binzi. Right, well, let's look ahead then. The uh, the second leg, we have this one-point advantage. It's uh, Good Friday, 15th of April, 8pm uh, kickoff, um, and the game is on BT Sport. So, um, last week we had the Shark Tank on for a preview of the first leg. Uh, Pete, um, are, are we going over to the Shark Tank this week for a preview of the second leg? Well... I after the game I did I did send a direct message to Alex uh, and said uh, what do you think about that and he went awful all round <laughs> so I think that's it I don't think we were going to get much more uh, as a as a as a preview on that so uh, I think we both agreed that we wouldn't bother doing a, another one we we both know what's what's to come I mean I we kind of mentioned this last week is that he just said from their point of view if they're in touch then uh, they've got something to... They'll try and shut us down at Ashton Gate and spoil the game. And and I said, you know, we if we're in touch, we've got everything to play for. So I don't think we needed uh, to set up a Zoom call to, to kind of summarise the same thing again. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, Lee, let me come to you. Um, Pat's big selection gamble worked in the first leg. Is, is he going to play the same hand, do you think, in the second leg? Or do you think we're going to see a few changes? Well, personally, I hope not, Tane. Uh, I hope not, because it's, uh, you know, we've got to remember now we're, we're back in BS3. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't think we'll go totally all guns blazing. But I do feel that, you know, we do have to have our best players on the pitch to start off the game. Um, so, I mean, I would I would say the likes of... Um, I mean, we don't know what's happened with Frisch because obviously, I don't know if he's just rested, but he wasn't even in the squad, was he? But I, I can't see how you can keep a player who's absolutely on fire like that out of the game. So for me, Frisch would, would definitely be back in. Um, I think personally, I would bring Piotr back in at fullback and then maybe I would have more hand on the wing. Um and I think he'll, he'll keep with the halfbacks. I think Sheedy and Randall will, you know, will play. Um, 
And yeah, I, and I think probably Thacker for me comes back in at hooker. Um, apart from that, I think, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think he, he may still go with Hughes at eight because of that physicality that we've already discussed. Um, and I think obviously Semi for me would, would come in for, for Piers O'Connor. Um, and I, I don't know. Yeah, I think I, for me personally, I don't know what you guys think, but I think we have to start that game strong. And, I, and I'd rather start it strong. And, you know, and it is going to be attritional. We're not going to win this game in 60 minutes. I think we, we all know that. But I'd rather start the game strong and and have the chance of, you know, feeling a bit more confident with 10, 15, 20 minutes to go or whatever, as opposed to going with the same policy with, with our big guns on the bench and, you know, and open for the best almost. OK, let me come to Pete then, your thoughts. Well, I mean, despite everything we've said about it being a, a workmanlike performance up at the AJ Bell, I'm a bit worried that we haven't got more of a cushion. I felt we did enough to have more of a cushion. And it's a very, very thin blanket that we've got Ashton Gate. And it does worry me a little bit that we don't want to get dragged down again into the kind of the barrel of misery that Sale are perfectly capable of doing and, and turn it into some sort of misery fest that will kind of get the crowd a bit tetchy and so on. So I, I'm a bit conflicted about what we do. I mean, I quite, I think Hughes has got a start because mm. of the way he negated Tuolangi, the way that he was kind of the, the second tackler in a lot of the time. And I think, I do think Bedlow was there for a reason. And and I just think I'm worried about sticking Semi in at centre to start the game. I just think that, you know, when you think about that Northampton game, you think about... And I still think, and a lot of people have said this, I still think that maybe just pull a rabbit out of a hat and stick Semi out on the wing um, and have our have the same, you know, even you're not going to play Frisch. I don't know whether Pat felt that he was slightly to blame for the defensive lapses as well against Northampton, which is another reason why he wasn't in. But we've got to, be, we've got to get a very fine balance between we can't leave the door open, but we've got to go for them. What is the point of us... You know, this is this is it now. This is our season. We have, and we've also got to make a statement to the rest of the European teams out there because before the game on Friday, or sorry, before the game on Saturday, we were fifty to one to win the Champions Cup. Out of sixteen teams, I think we were fifteenth in the rank. I mean, that you know, essentially, you look at the odds. Um, you'd think, well, you know, <laughs> we ain't going to do anything. And I, there was nothing, I don't think our odds shortened after Saturday at all. So we've got to do something that makes a statement. We cannot afford to have a, an erratic line out. We cannot afford to make as many mistakes and we have to go for it. Um, but we, and I just think we've got to go, we've got to be positive and we've, he's got to get this balance on the, the bench. We, we're not going to, I don't think we're going to bring on such a big bench We've got to start the game strong, but we've got to leave a little bit in reserve. So I do wonder whether Jake and Kyle will get that start again. And he might, just because they did okay, and, and the hooker is a problem. I still think Byrne didn't really do anything better than Thacker. And Thacker was pretty shocking in the line-out against uh, Northampton. So I, I'm not sure about that. And then maybe keep John, Big John and Jan on, that if there's a kind of a bit, getting a bit tense, we've got a bit of firepower there. But I do think... I do think we've got to go for it. And, and 
I just don't know. I mean, I think Piatel start. I think you're right with Morahan on one wing. It's hard to drop Alapati. I mean, you could make an argument to say he's our player of the season or our backs player of the season. And I did like the way he played. So, I mean, the reality is he probably will start with Semi, but in the centre and hopefully it will come off. But, you know, we 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 know what it's like, boys. You know, we... We've got we've got to win. We've got to go for it. It's a knock. Now it's knockout. But you know, if we don't quite, <laughs> things start getting a bit tense. The crowd can get a bit tense. The players can get a bit tense. We we cannot be like close. It can't be close with fifteen minutes to go because that would start worrying me. We've got to try and nail it early. Yeah, yeah I, I absolutely agree with that. I think we've been scarred with the Quinns game, and you know we we can't have anything close going into that that last 10 which minutes. makes me think he's got to leave a little bit on the bench to kind of shut up shop if we have to or kind of wrestle back momentum this is what what really worries me is this momentum thing isn't it that we've seen so often is that we lose momentum in the second half and we can't wrestle it back and that will be the death i mean you know that's it it's it's it, if that happens that's it season's well, over that- I mean, that's the whole point. We've well, we've got our superstars on the bench coming but coming it's on. It's such a negative thing to have superstars yeah. on the bench. You know, you know what? Yeah. This is about this is, but it, yeah. So I, I don't really, you know, this is why Pat gets paid a shed load of money. He's got to make these decisions about how you get the balance right. It'd be interesting to see what happens. I I, I think um, maybe slightly against you boys. I don't think there'll be too many changes to that starting fifteen. I think Jan Thomas might come in at loose head just because he didn't play um, quite so so much of a game. Um, and I think uh, whether Bates will keep, uh, will stay on the wing uh, or whether someone like Purdy might come back in on the wing. But then I, I can see him keeping still that stacked bench because... Um, Again, if, if, if we can keep it tight, where they're um, big beasts out, these big South African beasts, um, and then really look in the second half to bring that bench on when maybe legs are tiring a little bit. Obviously, Fafter Clerk looks like he's going to have to play a full game now. Uh, if Rafi Quirk's injury is, uh, is, is, is serious. Uh, Tualangi, has he got 80 minutes in him? Um, so again, do you need to negate him in the, the first half? Um, so yeah, I, I would see possibly, you know, maybe loose head and the wing might be the changes, but uh, that that would be that would be my my thinking. Or Pat is going to pl- pull a rabbit out the bag and completely shuffle the pack and go for the throat. But I don't know if Sale are the type of team you can really go for the throat from the first well, minute. I suppose that you could say that. What we mentioned earlier is that we had 70% possession and only three points. And if we if some of those passes hadn't been fumbled or some of those offloads had gone off or some of those mistakes hadn't been made, we could have had a reasonable lead at halftime on Saturday. So you could argue that starting lineup wasn't a bad it wasn't far it wasn't left to call a phrase it wasn't a million miles away from being a good and then of course you then have the bench to come off so I, I kind of understand what you're saying there Tony and, and maybe when they do the analysis they'll say look you know it was only a few margins here we, we've got faith in you boys to do the same again and you know why not I mean you know they, they, they've had a 
a bit of a practice run. You know, they they warmed up for it. I think the only thing we got to worry about is I'm not worried about Tuolangi to be honest that much. I felt as though we we did a good job against him, and I think Hughes in there. I'm worried about Reed. I've got to say, I think you know he he had a lot of pace and. If, if Sale changed their game plan a little bit, although it's hard to see that, he could be a bit of a thorn in our side in that first half. But, but I, I do think maybe Bates might be the one that might drop out, like you said. And I, th- I, I mean, think the other thing, maybe Euron and Randall might yeah. might swap round and you just have Randall's fizz maybe for the last 20 minutes and Euron's maybe more solid box kicking. Um, Lee, did you want to comment? Yeah, I just wanted to say, I mean, for, for all... We're all packing the bench with the, you know, the superstars. I mean, really, how much impact has that really had in the in the Saracens game? We scored twenty points in the first half against Saris, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, how how much impact have they of these of our big guns really had from coming on cold? You know, in in the second half or 50, 60 minutes or whatever. I I agree with Pete. I just think that this is. This is too close a game to get into that. I, I, I can see both sides. I can see how, you know, we, you know, it would be useful to have these big guns coming on. But for me, I would just like to to be positive and, and approach the game in a positive way. Get get the the you know the big guys on, our superstar players on from the start, and you know, kind of push the thumb down on sell. You know what I mean? So. You know, just just kind of dominate them and just get into them because we know how to beat them because we've done it at Ashton Gate already this season. You know, we we've got the formula for it, and I I just don't want it to get into that last kind of thirty minutes, and it and it and it it's like hanging on a on a fine balance, you know. And I just I'd rather we put you know load it so it's kind of so we we have got you know options off the bench. But at least go with a bit of the tried and tested superstars to start with, and, and you know try and get an early lead, and you know, and then take it from there. Just I just feel like momentum's such a big thing in rugby, and if we start with that momentum, then it'll carry us through. I think one of the interesting things for me, if you look at it from the sale perspective, Sanderson will probably be saying to his team, "We we had an horrendous time with turnovers." Um, but we were probably one penalty away from still winning that game. Actually, if we tighten up, um, you know, we, we kept the Bears to one bit of brilliance from Semi Ranranja, um, and that was the, the only try they scored. You know, if they'd been 14 points behind, then they would have had to have come with a diff- different game plan. Yeah. But I think yeah. their game plan will be exactly the same to, to use the big beast to try and stifle us. Um, yeah, and I, I, I just wonder whether we, we are going to have to blow for blow in that first half uh, and then give the opportunity as it, as it opens up to bring some of the, the other guys on. But anyway, let's 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 move on because time is is ticking on. Um, we'll have the predictions for this week. Pete, you predicted a 15-12 away win um, last week, so congratulations, you were the closest. Uh, Lee, I'm going to come to you first and... Uh, Give me your prediction and then uh, I, I look forward to you delving into the mind of Miles to see what he will think. So if you will give me Miles' Miles's prediction after yours. Well, funny enough, Tony, I don't have to skip into Miles's uh, mind, Tony, because he's just texted me, actually, his, his prediction. So that's already done. Um, for me, I think this will be a tight affair. 
Um, I don't think anyone's going to run away with it, but I, but I am confident, and I'm going to go for a 22-15 victory for Bears. Okay, and what did Miles say? Miles went for a free-all draw. Okay. Uh, Pete, your thoughts? Well, I mean, I, I kind of understand what Lee's saying. I, I, I think it's going to be a, a, a miserable, tense night. But if it all comes together and it's really the one time we really need it to come together because there is nothing else apart from this Friday, I'm going to have faith in it all coming together. And I think we're going to blow them boy, those, those boys away. So I think we're going to score at least four tries. We're going to win quite handsomely because I don't think they've got much in them. So I'm going to go for a 30... Eight win to the Bears. They're going to score one dodgy try in a penalty and we're going to score loads. Very. Blow them away. I mean, I've got to believe it. You know, why not? This is the only thing left in the season to be positive about. 38 tone. Come on. Right. I, I am going to go for a 28 points to 12 victory for the Bears. Um, I think it will be close. I can see it being like 14-12 with... 10, 15 minutes to go. They're going to have to open up a little bit and then we'll pick them off with a couple of late tries. So uh, that's uh, that's my thoughts. Uh, we shall uh, await Thursday when the team is announced with interest and uh, then look forward to uh, a, uh, a bank holiday spectacular at the gate. So, uh, all right, let's move on. You're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout and many, many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at bearsbeyondgate and on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Uh, Now I want to talk to you about... uh, five that's five signings that were announced this week and uh let me come to you first pete um and i mean let's face it some of these have been so widely discussed and rumored that it didn't really come as a surprise but uh gabriel ibatoye uh 24 year old winger um once of harlequins coming back to uh to the premiership via um france and israel your your thoughts on that signing yeah, I mean, as we said, it was pretty well signposted. I think it was reported quite a while ago that that was going to happen. Yeah, I think I don't know too much about him apart from the attacking side of his game, where I've seen a few uh, a few show reels, and there was one classic one I think that Quinns where he went sideways, backwards, forwards, upside down, and and scored, and then offloaded for a try. He looked brilliant. Yeah, you know, I don't know what his defensive qualities are like, uh, but. You know, I think it's a it's a it's a good developmental signing uh, for the Bears. It, it may it may mean curtains for um, our mate Adi Loken, but but we'll see. Um, so yeah, bring it on. I mean, it was good. I mean, I've got to say in general tone, you know, it was a it was a bit of genius PR, wasn't it? That you know, one way to negate some sort of discussions about admin errors and salary cap issues is then to announce five big signings one after another uh, was fair play to the club for that one so I enjoy yeah. I enjoyed it well the one thing I noticed about looking at the the kind of Harlequin showreel that uh, I saw was uh, 
either the kit man at Harlequins used to kit him out in shorts that were too small, uh, or else this guy has got an incredible backside because every pair of shorts he seemed to be wear seemed to be like splitting at the seams. Well, I've got to say, Tony, I didn't notice that, but obviously you've got a keen eye for, uh, for male gates. I'm yeah. really starting to worry about you two. Yeah. He's budgie smugglers and, and Tony talking about backsides. This Tight is shorts. This is, worried. This, is, this is Miles material here, boys. <laughs> and Lee, let me come to you. Um, also announced that we'd signed uh, James Williams from Hartbury. 25-year-old uh, fly half who's been the leading point scorer in the championship this season. Uh, evidently can play at 10 or or in the centre. Your thoughts on that and maybe what it means for some of the uh, existing players from this season at 10? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously this this guy has got a lot of potential. Um, you know, we could say that about a lot of players, I guess. But I mean, yeah, he is the leading point scorer in the championship. Um, and... I don't know, it just reminds me kind of of Tiff Eden back when we signed him from, from Nottingham. Again, he was the top point scorer in, you know, in that season, wasn't he? Um, I, I guess the thing for this is the versatility, um, versatility even, that Pat likes, isn't it? Um, this guy can play in the centre as well. So you know, he gives you a few more options. Um, and yeah, you know, hopefully this guy's going to, you know, going to be able to, to step up and, you know, play some rugby in the Premiership for us. Um, it's an exciting, you know, sign-in. But again, not tried and tested. We have to see how these boys go, don't we? I think he definitely comes under the, uh, or can be filed in the jib cutter uh, part of the cabinet, I think. Because he uh, he looks like a, he looks a little bit more maybe streetwise than Tiff Eden clearly was when he came. He was still quite young. He looks quite accomplished. Um, it, it, he reminded me a little bit about, you know, a bit like Rich Lane, who we just brought in as well, who also looks very accomplished. So I was, I know it's not a big star signing, but I think in the bigger picture, I thought that would look like a really good signing. And an interesting thing that Pat always says he does his business early. So I do wonder yeah. whether this has been, this deal was done a long time ago. And this is one of the reasons why Tiff may, may well leave, even though he's played exceptionally well in the last few weeks, is that, it was just, you know, this is a like-for-like like replacement and he's he's got a slightly more proven, sort of gnarly, um, you know, experienced club man that is a little bit more versatile. So I think it's a yeah. bit unlucky, it's a bit bad timing for Tiff, but there you go. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think that the, the Eden kind of decision was made early anyway, wasn't it, I think? But, um, Unless but he's one of the six. Just, <laughs> yeah. just talk, talking about Evertoria, though, I mean... the. That guy can also play in the centre as well, can he? I think he's played a few games in centre. You know, I know, you know, traditionally he's a winger, as, you know, but I think he, he has played in different positions again. So, you know, the versatility again kicking in for Pat, isn't it? Well, I think that's the thing with the salary cap. Actually, if you can have a few players in your squad that can cover one or two positions, especially if it's from the bench, that, that, that does help. I think... Uh, from what I've seen of Williams, I mean, he looks more like a centre that does play fly half. He's certainly got a bit more physicality uh, around him. And I think he's had a couple of cracks, hasn't he, at the Premiership? I know he was at Sale and he, there was another club he was at. So 
although he's only 25, he, he has a bit of top flight experience already. So, uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing him. Uh, and then, you know, those two are announced. And then the students pile in. We have uh, Fred Davis. Uh, again, this was pretty much signposted a few months before uh, the hooker that's really been on fire for Durham University. We have Martin Mulhall, who comes from Swansea, a loose head uh, prop. And then Reese Sharalambos uh, from Leeds Beckett University, who it says on the press release he can play both sides of the front row. So, uh, Pete, we've got a, a student front row that uh, are going to be dropped in at the High Performance Centre. Yeah, I mean, it's typical that they came in a little bit late on the day. Yeah. Isn't it? And, uh, but one thing's for sure, I mean, it's going to raise the IQ level of the squad uh, a little bit. And uh, maybe they'll have to install a library or something into the HPC. Uh, maybe there'll be a, rather than a coffee club, they'll have a crossword club. But yeah, I, this came out of the blue. The Fred Davis one we'd already talked about. Um, but the other two, I think maybe someone said that, that, that Martin Valhall had been signposted somewhere along the line. But, I mean, apparently they've been, you know, ripping up trees in the British universities. And in some ways, I, I, someone put something interesting on, on social media, and I can't remember who it was. He said, is this a bit of an indictment that our academy isn't quite ready, that we're having to, to buy in a few students um, who have got a little bit bigger game experience, probably taken a few bigger hits, um, you know, not just on the on the pitch, but in the bar afterwards. And, uh, you know, are probably coming with obviously just potential, but with a little bit of physicality with it as well. So interesting angle. Um, you know, it looks a little bit like the, the university route is getting quite popular with clubs. If you think of the likes of Don Brandt and obviously our own um, Fitz Harding. Um, so, yeah, I think it, whilst they're not... Whilst you could say none of those signings are superstar signings in in the kind of new landscape of being a little bit more sustainable and a bit more kind of you know obviously a lower cap, they they look pretty good 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 little bit of business from Pat there. Absolutely, and you know students in town, you can always tell in Bristol because there's always a traffic cone on top of some statue. So um, you know whether whether the Atio Atio statue uh, out, outside the ground will suddenly have a, a traffic cone on it. Um, I wouldn't be at all surprised. But Lee, what are your thoughts of uh, bring it, bringing in the university boys? Well, well, I, I was going to suggest that maybe, uh, in difference to what Pete had said, rather than any IQ being raised, I, I was just thinking one of Stephen Lansdowne's properties is going to get absolutely trashed in the next 12 <laughs> months. <laughs> but no, I mean, all joking aside, I mean, yeah, these guys do look good prospects. And like Pete said, it's, it, you know... With the salary cap now, I think you know every every team in the Premiership is is having to cut their, their cloth accordingly and and adjust. And um, you know, I, I guess all the Premiership teams are going to be looking at these players. So I mean, if if uh, if we can get some some decent boys on board, then all well and good for um, for adjusting for the next couple of years. I, I think it's an interesting point you make about you know, is this a slight failing in the fact that we haven't had the academy up and fully functioning for long enough because yeah if you come in at maybe wing or fly half actually you know at late teens early 20s it's it, it's maybe more doable in rugby if you're going up against South Africans day in day out in the premiership do you need people that are maybe slightly older a bit more regular game experience because these boys will have been playing every week every other week mm. in the Bucks League wouldn't they rather than just training uh, at an academy 
or is it a sign that things are so tight we can't we need props but we can't actually go out there into the market because we haven't got the salary cap because let's face it we're probably paying off a bit of their student loans aren't we yeah um and uh you know they'll be upgrading from a happy meal to maybe a big mac meal <laughs> and it, um, yeah and obviously nicky thomas has stopped taking past calls hasn't he? yeah so uh anyway but we we welcome them all to the gate and it is nice to see uh we've got those new faces what it will mean for some of the people leaving maybe we'll keep that for uh a, another show uh, the other big announcement this week was obviously the season card sales um, for for next year. A uh, price increase pretty much across the board, I think, apart from the family stand. Uh, 14 games uh, are in the season card, but of course, if Ealing get promoted, that will certainly add an, an extra game. Uh, they're talking about two European games. And again, I'm assuming we're going to be in the Challenge Cup, I think, uh, unless we win the uh, Champions Cup. Uh, this season so uh, depending on the format there potentially there could be three pool games so it's a minimum of 14 uh, as I currently look at it Uh, Pete one of the big things for me um, I've got to say I'm a little bit disappointed is the fact that the family season cards which were in the corner of the Dolman and South stand two sections there one in each of the respective stands uh we're now putting them up in the upper lands down. Um, your thoughts about that? Well, it's clearly higher. <laughs> That's for a start. I mean, I think the official line was that it was going to be kind of nearer to the, the player's side of the pitch or maybe the club side of the pitch so that there'd be, you know, I think when the game is finished, often that's the side of the pitch where kids get little photos and selfies. And I know for a fact, because my daughter went went with a friend one one time and they sat over there and but this is the upper line yeah but I think I guess at the end of the game they can run down I, I don't know yeah. or can get down there I mean they did say on the official line that there was going to be some sort of vague thing about Q&As and player appearances and, and it's kind of in the area isn't it so clearly that's kind of how they're selling it I mean it, the downside of it is that if you're if you're a little kid and you're that far up it's going to be quite a long way to it's going to be quite a difficult watch and of course you know, that's the thing that gets kids and young people and anybody really into sport is when you're really close to the action, you can hear the hits and you can can hear the kind of, you can feel the power. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I mean, I've got a mate of mine who's got, who's being moved over there and he he's not sure. He was asking people what it's like up in the upper lands down. I mean, the trouble is in some games when they, you know, games that don't have the bigger crowds they might just be kind of a little bit isolated mm. up there away from away from the kind of buzz at least in the dolmen i mean the dolmen is you know is a, is a, is usually pretty full so they're part of the kind of buzz and, and part the, of the bristol stand as well and the south stand as well obviously the south stand probably even more so i should say <laughs> um but so i'm, I'm a bit it, it doesn't seem like there's much consultation was there yeah. i mean you maybe this is where the club could have been a little bit more upfront about it and maybe taken the view of, of everybody with a, a family ticket and said look you know this is the payoff we're, we're going to guarantee kind of this sort of interaction with the club but you're going to be there what do you think yes or no maybe a referendum mm. uh, but we so we'll see I, I i'm not sure i'm not sure but um one thing's for sure i'm not going to bring my kids though so that's for sure <laughs> lee your thoughts i mean one of the things i thought is you know, if, if, if you wanted to move people and give them their own kind of experience, I, I don't know why we didn't open the Atio as a, 
yeah. as, as the family stand. Um, yeah. And then, you know, on the TV, you've got, you know, fans in all four sides of the stadium. The kids would be closer to the pitch. Uh, again, you'd have the, the back of the Atio to to do some fun and games. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit surprised. I, I've got to be honest, I'm a little bit disappointed actually in the move. I, I don't think it's a great thing for encouraging the next generation of fan. Tony, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, as someone who has spent, uh, what, 38 years being at Ashton Gate, you know, not in obviously the, the new Ashton Gate, but from the old stand, um, I've, I've watched games in the Lansdowne stand and it feels to me like a bit of an epic fail. It, it feels like we're almost putting the kids and the families away, you know, shutting them away almost. It's so high up. I mean, I've watched City games in the Lansdowne stand and it's, you know, people saying about the kids running down to get the autographs. You wouldn't want your kid running down those, those steps. But tr- trust me. It just feels like it's too far away. It is... It feel it does feel like alienation for me, um, and you've just hit the nail on the head. I think the Atio stand is absolutely perfect for families. It's got good acoustics, as we already know from away teams uh, that that kind of um, the fans supporters that sit in there for uh, for football games. Good acoustics. It's still a brilliant view, and it's a much more um, family orientated stand. And it just feels like the club have missed the trick on this one. It, it just, I, I'm, I'm baffled by that one. I'll be totally honest. Yeah, well, well, let's see uh, how things do. Obviously, people aren't forced to, to go up there, um, but then they're, they're going to start to pay a premium if they want to stay in, in the seats they were this season. Um, I think the one good thing for me is hopefully that, that puts pay to Simbacam because... Uh, one, I can't see Downsy running up all those steps to, to get to the upper lands down. But also, uh, if, you, if you drop a child from yeah. the upper lands down, that's risk assessment, surely. That's, that's a huge safeguarding issue. Huge safeguarding issue. So may, maybe that puts price to that uh, or put, puts pay to that. Uh, okay, well, that's nearly it for this week. But um, before we close, Lee, I believe you, uh, you're digging out your walking boots for a good cause. I am, Tony. Yeah, I'm uh, on Easter Sunday, this coming Sunday. Um, I am dusting off the old walking boots. And at eight o'clock, uh, I am travelling from Ashton Gate, BS3, um, and take a little trip to Recreation Grand Boys. Um, mm. And all for a brilliant cause. Um, it's for a charity called Young Minds, um, which support, you know, um, children and, you know, adults and parents on um, mental health issues and, you know, something that affects, you know, all of us of all ages. Um, and it was set up by, you know, my friend Tom Dabinet, who supports the, uh, the the other side from up the A4. Um, and it's his little vision with Meg Stevens. And I just thought, you know what, if they're going from Ashton Gate, I might as well tag along. So, um so yeah, we're doing our bit for um you know, for a brilliant cause and you know, I'll make sure that when I walk through that tunnel at the wreck, I'm wearing my, my welly boots, obviously, first of all. <laughs> and, and don't, don't uh, get and, trench foot while you're and, there. <laughs> and my bear's top. So it'll all be worth it in the end. And uh 
and hopefully there'll be a few uh, photographers to to take a few snaps ready to uh, for us to post on our um, on our feed next week. Lee, brilliant effort, and I think is it is it uh, the the charity's Young Minds, but there's a specific is it Rugby Talks, which is yes. what Tom and uh, Meg have set up. Yeah, yeah. So Tom and Meg have set up Rugby Talks, which is is basically for people of all ages to talk about rugby and mental health issues. Um, so that's a kind of general thing for everyone. Um, but the reason we're walking is for Young Minds Charity, based in London, for um, for young people and children's uh, mental health issues. So excellent. Well, we wish wish you well, and do um, we'll we'll put the sponsorship link on our social media channels during the week. And uh, uh, Lee, we look forward to seeing some pictures uh, from the walk and uh, talking about how how it went next week. So uh, good luck with that. Um, well that's it for this show if you like what you've heard please subscribe and leave a review or rating for us on your favourite podcast platform we'll be back next week with our review of the sale game and a preview of Gloucester's visit to Ashton Gate in the league until next time goodbye stay safe and come on Briz come on Briz